0: Good evening. It's good to see you this evening. Good to see a good number out with us this evening. What's going on with our country today? Have you noticed all the school shootings that have gone on? It's hard not to notice, right? With one right down the street from us. Have you seen all of the sexual assault accusations against those celebrities that maybe at one time we respected? against politicians and and the uh, corruption that's in the politicians today with all the uh, taking of money and support from lobbyists to support their campaigns, using that to make their decisions about what's going to be right and just in our country. Racial discrimination is still rampant in our society with oppression and discrimination causing division and oppression. Human trafficking is going on in our country. Drugs are still everywhere. Addiction is rampant. Our children are being affected by it. Abortion is commonplace. We have no value for human life. The sexual sins in our society are celebrated. One might wonder how far we can go away from God before something's going to happen. Or one might wonder if something will ever happen. Does God not hear our cries? Does He not see the things that are going on around us? Why won't He answer? Where is God? What is He doing? These are questions that we all might have from time to time as things get worse and worse in our society. We're going to study together the book of Habakkuk. We've looked at the book of Zephaniah. I want to continue looking at some of these minor prophets. There's nothing really minor about them, just shorter books that show us a little bit more about the time period we're studying in the Sunday morning class as we look at Ezekiel uh, and the time period of the exile of Judah to Babylon. I'd like to start out by noticing how Habakkuk feels the same way that we do in our society as he is living in his society. The first four verses of this book the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. "'O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and You will not hear? Or cry to You, violence, and You will not save? Why do You make me see iniquity? And why do You idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise.' So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. In this text, we see the prophet Habakkuk questions God. He asks, how long? Why am I crying to you and seeing all this iniquity and all this wrong that's going on around me? What is Habakkuk dealing with during this time period? For all we know about Habakkuk, it seems like he is prophesying shortly after the reign of Josiah and all of his reformation and during the reign of Jehoiakim. If you remember the studies of Jeremiah, we saw a little bit of information about Jehoiakim that didn't give us much hope that he was going to follow in the footsteps of his father, Josiah. Jehoiakim was the king who killed Uriah the prophet. That's the only time that a prophet is ever mentioned as being killed by the Judean kings. He sought to kill Jeremiah And he's the one who the Word of God came to in this scroll. And you remember, he took, as part of the scroll was read, he would cut it off and he would throw it into the fire. You see that he had no regard for God's Word. He had no regard for God at all. And that was spreading rampant in society. Imagine being a prophet during that time. You see your fellow prophet put to death. You see the prophet Jeremiah in the city being thrown into a dungeon, being thrown into prison and into a pit. You see God's people worshiping idols on every high hill, offering child sacrifices. You see them committing all kinds of sexual sins and rebellion against God. It's not that hard for us to imagine, is it? No one listens to God. No one cares about God. It says that the law is paralyzed and justice is perverted. What does that mean? The law was given by God in order to establish justice, in order to keep the civilization civilized in order to help man to understand how to show love to their fellow man and to keep order in society so that they could come into the land and live securely and feel at peace. God always wanted to give them rest. But it's paralyzed. Some decree has come out by some officers, maybe even the king himself, They just overlook some of the law so that no one listens to it or does what it says. And those who go about raping people get away with it. Those who go about murdering people get away with it. And they're able to take all of the gain for themselves. It is a truly wicked society in which Habakkuk finds himself afraid and wondering, does God see any of this? Why isn't he doing anything to save the righteous from the wicked and punish the wicked? That's what he promised he would do. and Habakkuk doesn't see anything happening. So he asks, "How long how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you look at wrong?" He asks, "How long? And why? Habakkuk questions God. Sorry. And he wonders, what is God doing? Isn't this amazing to us? That God's own prophet is wondering, what is going on? How can this continue? Why haven't you responded in judgment? As you keep reading, verse 5. Notice that it doesn't even transition. God just starts talking. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God responds to Habakkuk in an amazing way. God just breaks right in and says, Look and see. Can't you see what I'm doing? It's something you wouldn't believe if I told you. It shows us God hears Habakkuk's calls for help. He sees all the injustice that's going on and He has a plan. He says, look and see what I'm about to do. And be astounded. Isn't it amazing that God's own prophet looks at everything that's going on and he doesn't think that God sees what's going on or that he's willing to act or do anything. But yet God reveals to His prophet, I see everything that's going on. As much as Habakkuk is made to see the unrighteousness of the world all around him, God sees it all the more. Imagine what God has seen. Imagine the things that are done in secret by those who are evil who are around Habakkuk that God sees that Habakkuk doesn't even know about. Oh yes, God sees. And God is working. God has plans that will astonish you, he says to Habakkuk. God is planning something big. Look at, look at the next verses, 6-11. through 11. What is He planning? For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves." Guilty men whose own might is their God. Do you see God's plan that is astounding, that is a plan that you would not believe if told, is that He will raise up the Chaldeans. How is that astounding? The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, are awful... This is a much more wicked civilization than Judah is. He calls them bitter and hasty. They have no care about diplomacy or being civilized as they come in and they sweep across the earth, destroying. The text tells us that justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They decide what is just and what is right based on what they want to be just and right as they're moving through and annihilating everyone in their path. And they have no care. They have no concern for human life whatsoever. It it even gives us the impression that they enjoy it. They're laughing. As they go, scoffing at kings, scoffing at fortresses, piling up dirt and overtaking those places and continuing on. The pictures of them sweeping through like a wind and just destroying and taking captives along the way. God says He is doing this. He is going to raise up the Chaldeans. And that is astounding. A more wicked nation than Judah. This is God's way of establishing justice. Habakkuk wants to know how God is going to make things right. Whenever all around him in Judah, he sees wickedness, he sees violence, he sees injustice. God says... I'm going to fix that. I'm going to send a wicked, violent, unjust nation and they're going to give them a dose of their own medicine. This is God's righteous judgment. The nations were amazed at God saving His people out of Egypt and bringing them bringing Him into the promised land. And now the nations will all be amazed at God taking His people, punishing them, and removing them in captivity to the Babylonians. This is what God has in store. This is God's first response to Habakkuk's first question. This is like Iran or North Korea or China coming up against the United States to punish us for all our wrongs. This ungodly nation is going to rise up and punish God's people. What can we learn about God from this? Whenever we look at Habakkuk's first question and God's first answer, we can relate to His situation. We can see that we're surrounded by those who mock the Word of God, who are disgusted with the law, and just just want to somehow make it unimportant and unachievable, and something that uh, they're twisting so that everyone falls, and everyone makes mistakes, and everyone suffers greatly. We live in the society like Habakkuk lives in, And we see that the answer God gives to Habakkuk is the same answer for us as well. God is still in control. God sees all the violence, He sees all the injustice, He knows what's happening, He knows what's going on, and He has a plan for something to do about it. He is working something that you would not believe if it was revealed to you. He always does. He always has. We learn two very important lessons from this very first question of Habakkuk. Number one, God is not idle. God is not idle. Habakkuk asks, why do you idly look at all of this violence and injustice and God shows very clearly I'm not idle. I see it all. I know what's going on and I'm doing something about it. Isn't it interesting that Habakkuk can't tell? How many people get really discouraged about the fact that they don't know whether God's doing anything or not? It's not prevalent. It's not obvious to them they expect some kind of a sign from God or else God's not even there and He must not be doing anything. But here it shows very clearly. It's as though God is answering this question once for all. Everybody who comes along seeing all this corruption and evil around them, who questions whether God is really there, God says, yeah, I'm here. I see it all. I understand what's going on. And I'm planning something. But also, we see God is patient. You wonder about this, right? As as we see all this evil in the world, God is, is not acting immediately to the sins that are going on. The fact that God is patient means that... Sin is going to continue. It's inherent. It has to happen, right? There's no way for God to allow time for repentance without allowing sin to continue. The two can't happen at the same time. So instead of us seeing God as one who is going to strike or else He doesn't exist at all, We should see Him as one who is patient and allowing time for repentance. He wants all men to come back to Him and be saved. This text shows us as the New Testament shows us that God is at work in the lives of those who are His people. God's always been in in work. He's always doing things for His people. This is not a God who is on vacation or a God who is asleep most of the time. This is not a God who doesn't care enough to lift a finger to help those who He loves. God is working for us. The New Testament tells us this over and over again. In Romans 8, 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. God is working. God is active. You may not see it. You may not be able to perceive it. But we have assurances in scripture that he is working. He is doing things that we would not believe if we were told. The working of God is not something that we can easily perceive and and come to understand because we are so finite. But He is working. Another text that provides us huge encouragement with God working is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is not just able to do what we can think of God doing. God is not limited by our limited minds of what we could possibly come up with that God could possibly do in order to fix things in our society or in order to fix things in our very lives. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. God has intentions for us to be the source of His working. To be the conduit of His works in this world. We are created to be His workmanship for good works. And He works through us in this world. God is at work. God is not idle. The second thing that's revealed to us in this book is that God hears us. God hears us. Habakkuk is saying, how long should I cry out to you for help and you not hear me? You not listen to me and, and respond. But here we see God hears everything that's going on. He knows all about it. He knows the suffering of the righteous. He sees their pain, their agony. He has even experienced it Himself. And He knows what it's like and what we're going through. We don't worship a god who can only take one call at a time in prayer. We worship a god who hears all of our prayers, every one of us. He knows every single, he knows the number of every hair on our head. He knows everything in our in our hearts. And he hears us when we pray. But don't don't we doubt the effectiveness of our prayers? When we don't see God respond, Don't we feel like Habakkuk how long? Why is this still going on? God shows us in this text, He hears, He knows, and He's working. And we can count on Him. We can can trust in Him to do what is best for us. The New Testament, Jesus shows us That God is here to help us. He hears us and He wants to help us. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, "Or which one of you, if His Son asks Him for bread, will give Him a stone? Or if He asks for a fish, will give Him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Can you imagine a father who refuses to listen to his children? Who ignores their pleas for help? Who ignores their cries? God God clearly shows us through the words of Jesus, I'm listening and I'm giving good things to those who ask me. God sees. God hears. We can trust Him. We can pray without ceasing and put up every care on God. In this first introduction to Habakkuk, the question and answer that, that the book starts with, we see that God was working to correct what was wrong in Judah. He's going to raise up the Chaldeans, something that Habakkuk would never have believed if he was even told. And we see that God's always working. He's always worked since the beginning of mankind. He's always worked to help with our most pressing need of all, redemption. God has worked since before the foundations of the world to bring about our salvation in Christ. And through Him, we can find our hope Through Him we can find that there is a God who loves us, who cares about us, who hears us, who has compassion on us, who has experienced our hardships, experienced our sufferings, experienced the violence and injustice of the world around us, and who has set up a man to be king over us, to be our high priest, to offer us a sacrifice, that allows us to have a relationship with God. God has demonstrated His own love for us. That He cares for us. Even when it doesn't seem like He hears us. He hears us. Even when it doesn't seem like He's working. He's working. He's patiently working to draw all men to Him. Do we doubt God? Do we doubt His working? Are we willing to lay our cares before Him? God is desiring for all men to understand His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And instead of relying on our ways and our thoughts, to trust Him, to look to Him to rely on Him, and to trust Him. I'd like to end with a passage in Isaiah 55, verse 6, beginning. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on Him and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. We serve a God who loves us, who cares for us, who seeks us. We need to seek Him too. We need to desire Him and to follow after Him and do His will. there's anybody here this evening who has not obeyed the, the Word of God, who has rejected it, and now desires to turn to God and be faithful. God is calling for you to come, to make a change, to put your trust in Him and rely on Him. If you need to do that, please come as we stand and as we